Welcome to Every Hornets Box Score, the only podcast that dares look at every single Charlotte Hornets, yes, and Bobcats box score. I'm your host, Doug Branson. I'm joined today by Locked On Hornets family member, contributor, shoe aficionada, Anato, Anata, fashionista. And not as the not as the other our other friend. <laughs> That's right, not Edwards. Uh, not talking go. about him. I'm talking about David Walker. David, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm ready for some hoops. I'm ready to talk some old school hoops, Doug. With you, uh, I appreciate you putting me on this card. This is uh, for the folks visual using the visuals. This is awesome. Yeah, it's a, we've got some new looks here on every Hornets box score. I'm telling you, I'm just up in the game, trying to up the game every episode. Uh, so the look right. on YouTube now is uh, a throwback. This whole show is a throwback, so I figured the graphics should reflect that, should be a throwback. This is a throwback to the trading card era of our youths and uh, g- got some fly trading cards here. We are like little animated. Help me, I'm trapped inside of a trading card. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. the deal. Were you big yeah, in a trade? Were you big in, yeah, were you big in a trading yeah, yeah, cards yeah. back in the These day? These look like NBA hoops uh, graphics. Uh, I think that was the car that looks like maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. I was yeah that's what I, mo- I had to look back because I modeled it on the Johnny Newman NBA hoops card uh, that I have back on my yeah. shelf. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, it was the NBA hoops cards. I feel like we should. One of us should should have a, a Trapuca esque perm. Uh, I guess I'm maybe the closest to that. Maybe you have the mustache, uh, which he didn't have in Charlotte, but he did have on a, in in Detroit. But this takes me back to the days of the Beckett Sports Monthly. You didn't know what that was, but that's what when you got your cards, when you went to get your pack of cards, you would also pick up uh, an issue of Beckett, and that you could look up. You know, I guess it was monthly. Uh, what your cars were worth, and you know, it was it was the internet, StockX, and whatever else is used for cards before that. It was it was a great time. I think you can still get it. Uh, yeah, I that was a it was an interesting time when you could only get your information every once a month. Once a month, you could get <laughs> updated it. on. That's it. And then the rest of the time, you just had to sit and look at your cards and wonder how much they're worth. Now, obviously, you can get all of that information um, instantly. I do want to before we jump into the show, we've got to go to the bees machine to get our random Hornets box score. I can tell you that the era. So we we've broken all of the box scores up into different eras, and so this show the era will be the Bobcats era. Uh, so we're going to get some kind of Bobcats box score, but we don't know what the bees machine will throw at us yet. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want to pick David's brain about what's going on with the Hornets right now. There's some controversy swirling around this team, which has been uh, just kind of the story of the offseason. We've got uh, we're actually taping this on opening night, October 19th. They're going to play the Spurs tonight. So I want to pick your brain, David, about what's going on around the team. But first, before we do that, I have to uh, I don't have to, but I really want to shout out uh, some of the people that have been supporting this endeavor of mine every hornets box score and the podcast on our sub stack which is every hornets that's where i'm posting my game notes i've had those up for free uh, all summer league and preseason long the game notes are going to go to the paying subscribers but we got a lot this podcast will remain free the youtube channel will remain free there's a lot of free stuff but i got to shout out some of the supporters uh, some new subscribers. Suman uh, is a yearly plus subscriber, so you can subscribe for the year for $50 or $5 a month, or you can just be uh, a contributor to the show by signing up for the year and, and, and. And Suman went over the top 
and uh, is a big supporter of the show. He's been supporting Locked On Hornets for a long time, too. So thank you. Shout out to you. DBK, BR Bean, Ian, Matt. Uh, DBK and BR Bean are yearly subscribers. Thank you. That really helps me kind of project out. Uh, what what we can what we can uh, invest into this show, and then Ian Matt, thank you for the monthly subscription. We've got some returning subscribers: Andre, three months; Arjun, uh, G Matt, Briar, all four month subscribers, and then Keith and BF Beck have been yearly subscribers for several months now. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people that are keeping uh, this particular hive alive. And uh, please, if you haven't yet, uh, consider just subscribe to the Substack for free. Uh, that'll get you the 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 monthly. Uh, that'll get you all the updates to your email. Uh, but definitely, if you want to support the show, please do. Okay, David, the Charlotte Hornets. Things uh, the fan base is not uh, t- talking like taking the pulse of the fan base. It's not good right now. Everybody's kind of in a down mm-hmm. spirit. Yeah, the Miles Bridges uh, felony domestic charges happen uh, pre-draft. Then uh, you go through an offseason where you only sign Cody Martin, don't do much else, no more help for LaMelo Ball. He gets less help than he had last year. And then on top of that, several days before the start of the season, James Booknight, a second-year player, rookie, didn't get much playing time, was looking for minutes in this new rotation, new head coach, new opportunity. Uh, He is uh, getting – or was arrested uh, and charged with – uh, DWI, DUI, driving under the influence, um, and more and more details. The details that keep coming out about this, David Walker, keep getting more, uh, I don't know, sad, disappointing, frightening almost. Uh, you, you're you're uh, wondering if, if James Booknight is okay. He was found in his car, uh, non, non-responsive, would not wake up, and uh, had a gun in his lap, uh, a high blood alcohol level. And uh, it took a lot of effort to get him awake in his car. He was blocking traffic. His car was running. The car, I guess, ran into some cop cars. I, you know, I just keep going because these details just keep coming out, and it, and and none of it looks good. Uh, he he did come back to practice. Did speak to reporters. Apologized for being a distraction. But but David, like, w- w- how are we supposed to feel about this off season? Well, I mean, first of all, just on the book night thing, I, I really hope. Um, someone's talking to him or he's talking yeah. to someone uh, and, and and he can get the help that he that he needs because that, that's just not a good situation you know at all being out that late and then you add on everything else that was in there so i i mean we're all pulling for him of course we've been waiting for him to do well on the court but this is this is bigger than that right now we just want him to be safe and and, and be healthy so hopefully he can get that mm-hmm. but when you tack this on to everything that's gone on with the hornets off season i, I mean my gosh up to the bitter end you know it's just one thing after after another that a lot of they can't control um you know these are individuals making choices away from the team away from the you know facility and all that but as a from a fan point of view it i mean honestly it's beaten me down to the point of the beginning of the season has so little excitement and anticipation at this point of course lamello's out that's a big part of it but you know i'm watching the lakers last night and of course, there's surrounding talks around Russell Westbrook all the time, mm-hmm. and I find myself now almost rooting for that, but so they can just get someone in the locker room who is a professional basketball player who who who, who you know does act like an adult uh, most of the time around his profession, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 some of that's about Westbrook, but some of that's about just how fast it's 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 dizzying how fast this locker room seems to have fallen out of the 
you know, good culture locker room. There's, there's not, there's not a lot of veteran voices in there. The ones that are there don't seem to be speaking that loudly. Uh, are they turning the keys out? Is this Lamelo's team? Is this not Lamelo's team? We don't know. And, and, and that brings us to the point that, you know, you guys have been hammering and we've talked about, it's like, they have to choose a path. The Hornets need to choose a path fast. I suppose they're going to let things play out for the next, you know, couple of weeks, let LaMelo get back and see what happens. It just doesn't feel like they've gotten better. I don't think they've gotten better. Um, and there's still so much uncertainty and they haven't made any moves. So it's been a very rough offseason for the Hornets, for Hornets fans. Uh, and it just it just has a feeling of something that not going to take much to go bad really, really fast. And, and, and the season hasn't even started yet. So it's just it's a weird weird place to be coming off a a season where you know they had a winning season doug they had a winning season last year a couple of months I almost ago had they 45, were almost put a 45 exactly. on there yeah exactly so you, you, you bring up spot. an interesting you bring up an interesting point and this is a hornets history podcast and if we look back just into the recent history in the kimba walker era of the charlotte hornets this was a professional locker room. Like during yeah. during it Marvin was Williams. A, a lot. Yeah, there was a veteran laden and and it was sort of a lunch pill locker room of of guys just coming doing their job. It was a boring locker room, right? It was there was right. not a lot of controversy, not a lot of wins either, you know. I mean, not a lot of playoff the no playoff success. I got a few wins, but no playoff series winning success. But it was always viewed as a good kind of boring locker room where where none of that was going to get into the way and and then they've shifted obviously into a rebuild and that with that came youth and and I think that they've they've just waited too long to bring in some veteran experience to kind of guide this thing I don't I don't feel like that there's really any unifying guidance within the locker room from a player perspective. And I certainly don't see any kind of uh, strategy communication coming from the front office at this point. And we haven't gotten any kind of communication on the Miles Bridges situation. Uh, Very little. They've let uh, Clifford didn't really say much. James Booknight said a little bit. Uh, but but nothing about and again I'm looking at this from the perspective of a fan buying tickets or a season ticket holder wanting to know whether they should renew you know season tickets or continue doing that and it's just like at what point when you don't say anything as an organization about what's going on you know you're allowing other people to sort of set your agenda and, and to make your reputation for you and I just think that's a big mistake I'll also ask you this David because I know you watched. You know, it's NBA opening night last night and a lot of coverage. I don't I don't know what's sadder that the Hornets are experiencing all of this controversy or that it's getting zero attention from mm. a league perspective, right? I, I mean, they did this whole thing on Draymond Green, and I'm not asking for it. I'm not oh asking for the Horn for the How for did the, they for do that doc so quickly? I mean, well, oh my God. They were like, We got gold once he punched because they were already doing the documentary, and then once he punched, they yeah. were like, We got gold, baby, we got gold. Um, but like, I'm not, I'm not asking for that attention. Like, I don't want Charles Barkley calling the Charlotte Hornets, the Charlotte Warrens. Like, I don't, you know, they don't need any help being any more of like a joke because people love to pile on MJ as the owner. Right. So, but, but at the same time, like they're generating, uh, even through all this controversy, all, all of these issues that it's just, nobody's interested in talking about it on a national perspective, on a national level. 
And maybe that's good. You know, I mean, at <laughs> I this guess. point, I, I, I'm honestly worried about the stink, you know, filtering down to LaMelo. And, and you've already started it last. I mean, we last time we were talking, there's all your folks out there saying, I don't know about this LaMelo guy. I uh, wants to be famous, uh, not concentrate on basketball. Like, how much can he do? David uh, Thorpe. Not, Who's David Thorpe? David Thorpe yeah. did this on a podcast. He did clarify that he was uh, – I read he was – he clarified that – so he, he talked to a player – who they played in in uh, preseason, and that's that yeah. that player was quoted as saying, "Yeah, the Hornets, are, the the Lamelo's trash, and the Hornets are trash." Apparently, they clarified that he was talking only about defense. That player uh, was saying okay. that Lamelo was trash at defense, well, that's and that's why the Hornets were trash at defense. Okay, well, um, not wrong, I suppose. Um, but 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 you know, they won't take much for that vibe to get there because guess who he's always compared to? Anthony Edwards. You know, that team's up and coming. Anthony Edwards, I get a lot of buzz, was in a movie. Let's talk about wanting to be famous. This guy was in a movie. I don't hear any, anybody complaining about that. But, um, you know, I, I, a little bit worried about that, just the stink of the Hornets getting on LaMelo. You couple that with, you know, I, I don't want to – I was I was texting with a buddy today, and, and, and he warned me, you know, getting into the – fear of Lamelo not re-signing but you've seen that out there I mean this has been out there now people are trying to talk about this will he be the first guy to not do his rookie extension ever um and so if things go badly you have to you have to say well hopefully they're communicating with him hopefully hopefully they're telling him the plan hopefully they're selling him on something but that goes back to our point what are they what are they doing what are they selling him on well, what's the plan we we don't know we just have not heard anything we haven't seen anything and you're right they've at this point they have just waited too long and the lakers thing i don't know i don't know how much more patience the lakers have waiting to do anything with westbrook i mean by half half time of that game last night barkley's basically pleading for them to trade him already miles turner is out there you know so uh, they need shooting i mean that's the hornets i think you know it seems it seems almost too perfect because the Hornets yeah. have shooting. They've got Terry Rozier, who's, who's a good three-point shooter. They've got Gordon Hayward, who's actually a really good three-point shooter. Doesn't take a lot of them, uh, but I guess could in a, in a certain situation. So You've it, got it almost to, makes two sense, too much sense. Yeah. Now, we say all that. Like I still think you've just got to let the first you know, couple weeks get LaMelo back play out, right? I mean, yeah, just to be fair, you have to give him a chance. The Clifford thing is still just feels so weird how all that went down. The fact that he's here, how long is he here? It doesn't feel like that long. We'll see. Um, you got to let some things play out. The schedule is favorable, you know, to start out. We'll see how they look. But certainly nothing, not much about the preseason gave you positive vibes, how they were going to play. Um, the starting five, you know, still can be fine, still can be good. Clifford said he's going to play 10 guys, though. So. I don't know. We shall see. We shall see, Doug. It's it's a good thing we're talking about the Bobcast today. It's a dark, it's a dark time. Um, you're feeling kind of dark right now. Yeah, we'll, so see. we'll see. It could. Well, and the thing is, we don't know. The bees machine could throw That's us true. one of the really terrible Bobcats teams, or you know, there were a couple of uh, playoff opportunities for those Bobcats. So we we will see. That's a great transition. Let's go ahead and head to. Our time machine, which we call the we call the bees machine, it selects a random box score, takes us back in uh, to the Hornets past. With that, I'm going to hit the button. Let's go. Bees, bees everywhere.
Yes, give us this box score. Oh, here we go. Oh, Charlotte baby. Bobcats at the Miami Heat. A storied rivalry. Mm. The Bobcats versus the Heat. January 2nd, the day after the new year of 2010, the year of our Lord. Charlotte Bobcats win this game, David, 107 to 97. Okay, so we've got our box score. David, you and I have to go hit the books. we got to do a little research. And when we come back on every Hornets box score, we will dive deep into 2010. I can already tell you, this is the Larry Brown playoff season. Stack Jack had an amazing year. Gerald Wallace had an amazing year. We're going to go do our research. And when we come back, more on the 2010 Charlotte Bobcats. You're watching every Hornets box score. So I've got some really great news to share with you, and that's that this podcast, Every Hornets Box Score, will remain free in perpetuity without any ads. So you're not going to hear any mattress ads. You're not going to hear any CBD ads. Nothing wrong with those ads, but, you know, they can kind of get annoying on these podcasts, right? That's going to be free. Uh, there's a free YouTube channel right now where we're doing some cool game streams and some other experimental stuff that, that all revolve around the Charlotte Hornets. And I'm producing all of this content for you. Uh, and the only thing that I ask is that you support us by subscribing for free on every Hornets box score. And if you like this content, if you think you're getting something out of this content, there is a way on Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com to become a paid contributor. And that money goes directly into the tools and the things that are necessary to devote the time that it takes to put this content together. So if you like it, consider supporting us. We're going to keep the podcast free. Speaking of the podcast, let's get back to the podcast. Back here on every Hornets box score, Charlotte Bobcats 107, Miami Heat 97, January 2nd, 2010. Uh, the Charlotte Bobcats of the 2010s, uh, the Larry Brown playoff year. David, as we peruse this box score, tell me what you remember about that playoff season. What time did this game tip off? Is it a 3.30 tip I saw up there? Ooh, that's a 3.30 p.m. tip oh, baby. in no, Miami, no, no. Florida. Now, now, okay, now we're talking. We're getting a, a peek behind the curtain here. It may be an advantage they have. Usually it's the it's the Heat that have that advantage on that early tip, but maybe, you know, the Hornets, they they uh, they, they all made bed check that night because historically in Miami, it's a little bit of a tough go for those early tips. But, yeah, um, this is a culture clash, Doug. Of course, you know about Heat culture, and this was Bobcats. I think this was pre – Yeah, culture. I think this was pre – This is pre-culture? I think, pre, I think this was pre-culture. The culture had not quite uh, defined itself yes, then, yet. It's always been there. It's always been there right. since Ronnie Cycle. Well, it's all <laughs> old, old Patty. If you just ask old Patty, he said he's always been there. But uh, the Heat right now featuring Dwayne Wade, Quentin Richardson, Carlos Arroyo, Michael Beasley, Jermaine O'Neal. That's your starting That'll five. 34 minutes from Adonis Haslam off the bench. Mario Chalmers gets 12 a lot of starter minutes in this one. Man, I mean, we're early in the season to be playing So that guys. was Haslam's, what, 15th year? <laughs> right, 2010. Yeah. Yeah, he'd been in the league 20 years to this point. Okay. Um, yeah. Joel Anthony, Daquan Cook, Darrell Wright. A lot of names here for one Miami. Team. Team. For your Bobcats, great starting five here. Stack Jack uh, in his prime. Gerald Wallace in his prime. Boris Diaw uh, in his prime rib. Raymond Felton, uh, Nazir Muhammad anchoring the yep. center. You got uh, Flip Murray off the bench. DJ Augustine, uh, oh, I believe this was Larry his Brown second favorite. year in the league. Uh, and Jop, 
getting 17 minutes with uh, in this one. Derek Brown also getting eight minutes. Uh, good bench numbers, good plus-minus bench numbers for Flip, DJ, and Derek Brown getting some uh, positive 17s and positive 25. DJ Augustine, good one. Five of seven from the field, three, three of four from three, which I don't think to this point he was known as like a, a marksman. So uh, 13 points, didn't do much else, but a nice little punch off the bench for DJ, who was sitting behind Raymond at this point. Yeah, of two for Ray uh, from three. That would uh, kind of plague him. Gerald took two threes as well. Stack Jack, man. I swear. Now, you talk about this version of the Hornets Bobcats, and I really loved uh, Steven Jackson on this team. One of my all-time favorite Charlotte NBA players, period, because he was just so good, so talented, so well-rounded. I know Gerald was a obviously a fan favorite and a, and a Hornets Bobcats, well, Bobcats only legend on this team and this run. But, I mean, Steven Jackson was really uh, the best basketball player, I mean, maybe that the Bobcats ever had. Yeah, when he was good, at, you know, and, and Larry Brown used to talk about this all the time, like when Stack Jack was focused on getting to the rim, he was a great player. When he was taking pull-up jump shots, one-on-one, ISO, Jack – that's when things kind of went awry for him. But in this one, 11 of 20 from the field, 4 of 7 mm. from 3, 35 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, yeah. only 1 turnover. I mean, we've had some great stack jack uh, games selected randomly already for us in, in the Bobcats era. We've yet, I think, really to get a sad, sad Bobcats game. Uh, but this was, you know, at part of peak Bobcats, the pace was murder, 86.3. is probably not a terribly fun game to watch uh, but the hornets oh, they, there we go hornets. first quarter there's the sleepy start i was looking for okay yeah 17 points for the bobcats in the first quarter to miami's 30 but then rebounding with a second quarter i'm interested i'm gonna pull up we're gonna go into the observer archives here and see what we got picture of stack jack and, and a young Dwayne wade a young Dwayne wade wow Jackson, the headline is Jackson controls emotion, comma oh. game from the goat Rick Bennell. There we go. Um, here's some observations from Rick on this game. DJ Augustine looked like a real live lottery pick for long stretches of Saturday's game. Uh, uh, that feels like a compliment, but it also feels like an insult, right? Yeah. DJ, I, a lot more was expected of DJ Augustine than than was delivered. Unfortunately, was <laughs> the first in a long line of lottery picks that didn't. But people really wouldn't lottery. bring his name up immediately, right? Like when you're thinking of disappointing draft picks, people don't. I think people don't get the DJ until a lot later. Yeah, they would get no, to Zeller before just, DJ. Yeah, which is odd. A DJ was just it never popped, right? I mean, kind of always solid and boring. Plus, he had plenty of revenge games uh, that, that most people will probably remember as well. So, always seemed to come back and kill him. Um, just still a weird draft pick. I mean, just super weird. You had Felton there. I can't. I don't know if we have the information on that draft. I believe it was the Ajinka draft as well. So, double downing on that weird factor in that draft. A lot of it, I believe, behind the wishings of Larry Brown. So, yeah, good for DJ. Well, it says here his body language said he's recovering from a long bout of self-consciousness. Oh. Quote, I felt good out there, not all tight and stuff, unquote, Augustine said with an obvious sense of relief. So, Rick, observing there that uh, DJ's start to his career in a lot of ways, I mean, no, 
you know, DJ got a great opportunity because of the situation. The Bobcats weren't very good and they didn't, there weren't, there wasn't a lot of stellar guard play. Like, I mean, you're competing with Flip Murray and, and, and some other names like that. So, but I, I think, you know, if we want to draw some parallels, at least mentally, I mean, you, you can look at this situation as a little bit similar to James Booknight, where the start oh, yeah. was not, you were a lottery pick, there were a lot of expectations, and, and all of a sudden it's not turning out um, as well as you'd like. And certainly I think in 2010, we're still in this era of basketball where I think lottery picks were expected to come in and contribute a little bit more immediately than they are now. Now so much of it is on potential, right? You're a lottery pick, and it's almost like if you're a lottery pick and you come in and contribute immediately, it's a little bit special because you know a lot of these guys are getting drafted at 19 and 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and DJ, you know, uh, did have his shots. It, it, it just it falls into that for me. You mentioned Book Knight, also Malik Monk would fall into that category as well. It's just a, a guard who never quite popped here. But I, I think you know Malik probably had a little better uh, a journey here, I guess, than DJ. Um, just just never seemed to to spark it here. I, I was going down there. I saw that there's a little uh, little kerfuffle in the stands there. And the heat. This is this is this may be part of heat culture. There's somebody in the stand blowing whistles during the game, and Larry Brown, I can guarantee, did not enjoy that. Uh, no, old school. Larry Brown was not into any kind of shenanigans happening in no. the crowd. I would, Respect I would remember game. that from Miami Heat away games when they would travel to Charlotte. I would hear. I do remember this. I would hear like phantom whistles that were not coming from the referees. Uh, I, I feel like maybe this is just some Miami Heat tomfoolery, some fans. Shenanigans. Respect the game. Don't uh, don't disrespect it. Not with Larry Brown there. No. Uh, they did not. Unfortunately, in this one, they did not find the culprit. Uh, now, here's something interesting <laughs> from, from the Charlotte Observer. Uh, this is a column from Rick Bennell where he makes some predictions about the Charlotte Bobcats, David. So I, I thought we could take a look at these predictions and see if they actually came true. So the first one is that the team is finally sold. Rick writes, I hear Bob Johnson is serious again about selling the team. Mm. <laughs> Team's not that old for Rick to be writing again. Bob Johnson Im- felt like he immediately regretted that purchasing decision, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, after CSET. Looking- I think after CSET failed. Which, which, by the way, David, if you heard about the Clippers, Steve Ballmer starting Clipper Vision – or, or I guess no. taking Clipper Vision out of beta. So what this is, uh, you can stream all of the Clippers games via Clippers Vision, and there's like seven different feeds. Some of them are in different oh, languages. Yeah. One of them is like just a straight RSN broadcast feed. Another one, they're bringing in Baron Davis. Uh, they're bringing in Paul Pierce and cl- like people who have played for the Clippers, notable players to come in and do a Manning cast type of feed. But Ballmer oh, is like taking all of his money and just dumping it into not all of it. I mean, probably like um, five bucks to us, right? <laughs> but like he is he is going all in on this Clipper Vision thing. And it made me when I heard about the news, it made me think of how they tried the C set thing That's for the Bobcats. Should have been. He was just too far ahead of his time, Doug. You know, he was just uh it, he what well, well because back then 
you know, e ease of getting this kind of stuff. Now we just, we're trained in streaming. We're trained in like, mm -hmm. well, if I can't get it on cable, I can go find it somewhere else. Uh, but then they were trying to convince people, hey, this is a place to get your Bobcats, but you have to buy it separately on your cable package. There were just too many like constraints yeah. for CSAT. And you're an equestrian. It was Bobcats and equestrian events, horse jumping mostly. <laughs> I don't know why it didn't. You could bundle it. If you bundled it, I think you got a little deal. Oh, sick. Uh, but of course, the Bobcats <laughs> weren't winning. That was another problem. Uh, you know, the, the city had soured on basketball instead of going, hey, why don't we do everything in our power to get the city back on our side? They said, no, let's create an exclusive place. Uh, and anyway, so uh, Bob Johnson selling the, was selling the team or, or at least interested. Um, and this, David, do you think this came true or did it not come true this season? He did sell. I don't know if this was the actual sale. It that was went 2010. Oh. Michael Jordan bought the team. Of course. Yeah, of course. I didn't see him mentioned in there, so it must not have been any rumblings. I mean, we don't see MJ's name revealed in there, do we? Uh, no, Michael Jordan, but he, I think he probably was in all of those kind of conversations. Uh, this is interesting. He was a though. minority owner, right? Or he was part of the ownership group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or did he? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he bought a he bought a majority stake. Yeah, um, yeah. So this is interesting. Uh, certainly, this is what Rick Bennell writes about Bob Johnson. Certainly, he's made numerous miscalculations and gaffes. But anyone who thinks Johnson selling is a panacea is missing the real issue. Uh, Rick was pretty dead on about that one because <laughs> things for the franchise did not really improve with new ownership. Hmm. Uh, all right, second prediction. Larry Brown could be gone after this season. Yes, true. <laughs> well, true kind of, right? Because Larry Brown would go to the playoff. They would go to the playoffs this season. Uh, they would lose in four games to the Orlando Magic. Dwight Howard, not Dwight Howard. I did look this up. Dwight Howard did not. He, he was great in that series, but I don't know if you remember this series. It was Jameer Nelson who out of mm. – not Oh, my God, yeah. Did not – here's the thing. Went to the All-Star game the year before this. Well, strangely, like if you look at his numbers, they don't look like All-Star numbers to me. It must have been just a weak guard year for the Eastern Conference. But had a worse year following that, and, but dominated that first series with scoring like 30 points a game against the Bobcats. Yeah. Um, you, you expected Dwight Howard. Wreck. Yeah. You expected Dwight Howard to dominate, but it was really uh it was really Jameer Nelson who who helped sweep the the Bobcats. But Larry Brown would go on to continue coaching, but then get dumped in the middle of the season. And the Bobcats Walker or David, do you remember? I keep keep doing this. It's tough. It's okay, tough when your last name right. is my other co-host's yeah, first name. David, do you remember who they went to off of Larry Brown? Uh, was this in season? And this was that guy in season firing the, the following season? year. Uh huh. Oh, this is uh, uh, Paul Silas. That's right. Pull it. So this is not the first time that Jordan has looked to an old back. coach. And they brought him back. <laughs> and just, I mean, I'm saying this is starting to get a real bit of deja vu here. Uh, they, 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 hey, they got their people. Uh, they like to bring people in that know the culture or lack thereof, what have you. Now, was uh, now did Dunlap follow? Was this the Dunlap follow Silas in 2000, whatever, 11? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dunlap. Oh yeah. my God. Oh my God. Yeah. It got, it got, um, it got pretty bad. It got pretty bad. Uh, so then, 
the third prediction for uh, for Rick is that Boris Diaw will keep looking out of place. He writes he is extremely out of, smart. You say out of shape or out of you said out of place. no out of out of place. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, out of place. Uh, Rick writes he is extremely smart both in general and, and basketball wise, and yet he still hasn't figured out how to impact games with the ball in his hands less. Stephen Jackson's presence means Diaw functions less like a point forward than last season. He isn't finding other ways to help. Over the six games prior to Saturday's trip to Miami, Diaw was averaging 10 minutes between rebounds. His three-minute his three-point shooting percentage has plummeted from 41% last season to 30% this season. Um, so the prediction Boris Diaw will keep looking out of place. Did that come true or did it not? Yeah, he was out of this place soon after that, right? Well, yeah, he would have he would uh, still be with the Bobcats the following season, but then leave. Um, so, yeah, and his or ask not to come back. Right? Well, ask ask very, to stay home. <laughs> yeah, ask very nicely. Um, yeah, I mean, his points per game dropped pretty precipitously from that first season where he was traded uh, to the to the Bobcats, uh, and he would. I mean, they just couldn't figure out a way to make it all work with what, one stack. Jack rose. It was like stack Jack's rise was Boris Diaw's fall, and he couldn't stay in shape. And there was just all kinds of issues there with, with Man, Diaw. these were pretty hot takes, I mean, looking back. I mean, not, not, not you know, I but I mean, it's a pretty them. bold prediction. Yeah, I know. I mean, no one knew the uh, NBA in Charlotte like Rick, that's for sure. Uh, here we go, number four. Either Felton or DJ Augustine is gone. Not enough room in this saloon for these two guys. Rick writes, I'm not saying in the next month or even next summer, but it seems highly unlikely the Bobcats will commit long-term to retaining both point guards. The only way I could see the Bobcats affording them both, because they were already, they they had, you know, kind of gone all out to to construct this mm-hmm. roster with Stack Jack yes. and Gerald Wallace and make the playoff run. They were, I think they were capped out. Um, the only way I could see Bobcats affording them both is if Augustine continues to struggle so much his eventual free agent market dries up. And if that happened, I think he'd want to get a fresh start somewhere else. Did this come true? Well, he kind of tiptoed around this one, right? He said, when sure if it's going to happen immediately. I mean, they both ended up leaving. Yes. Uh, was this when, well, didn't Ray sign with the Knicks after Ray went, this Ray season? went first. Yeah. Ray went yeah. first after this season. Yeah. And then the next, so after this playoff run, Ray went to New York and it was DJ's team, and then um, that didn't work. So the final prediction, Gerald Wallace misses the All-Star game. Well, you know that he played in one. Did he get an injury replacement for this year, or was it too much? I think it was the next year. Ooh, unfortunately, you and Rick got this wrong. Uh, the uh, Gerald Wallace would, yeah, in this season, 2009-2010, get his sole uh, all-star appearance, and it was the sole all-star appearance for a Bobcat in this season. 76 game played, 76 games played, 41 minutes per game, David. Mm. Gerald Iron Wallace man. played 41 minutes per game, had a field goal percentage of 48%, 37% from three, didn't take many of them, uh, but he averaged 18 points per game and 10 rebounds. He averaged a double Yeah, he must have made it this year. If they went to the playoffs in the playoff contention, they, yeah, they would have said, hey, we need we need somebody from the Bobcats in there, I guess. Really and great also, really And also, great uh, will you do the dunk contest? And he should have been like everyone else and said, I will not. Yeah. Nobody should do the dunk contest anymore. 
That's my that's my big hot take. Well, when you got like Jonathan Kaminga, you know, guys that really nobody knows how to judge played. it, David. No one can judge. And they're you like, don't... nah, I'm gonna be playing too much. I can't do the dunk contest this year. Playing too much. I can't do the dunk contest this year. Get rid of it, guys. That's Get nonsense. rid of it. Nobody, no, look, nobody knows how to participate in it. Nobody knows how to win We're it. Fix this. Nobody knows how to We're judge gonna it. We're going to fix this thing. No, no, you can't. Sometimes you got to know when to let go. Sometimes mm. you got to know when to rebuild, like the Bobcats after this they season. Said, they they were, said, playoffs, done it. Enough. Uh, so those were the predictions uh, from Rick Bennell. He nailed almost all of them. Uh, this this Bobcat, he could it. sense it. He could sense that the Bobcats were not, even though. Uh, but at this point, you know, when he writes this, they're thirteen and eighteen. Yeah. Like this this team would go on to win forty four games. Let's actually, I want to look at the overall. Uh, they but they were five games under five hundred at this point, and but they would end up finishing forty four and thirty eight, the same record that uh, Borrego got fired with. They finished fourth in the NBA Southeast Division, though. That's crazy to me. You win 44 games, and you almost finished last in your division because they were in it with Orlando, with Dwight Howard, yeah. the, the those Atlanta Hawks teams that were just regular season forces and playoff duds. Uh, Miami would also get, get it together. And Miami, that was – was this just the – this was just the Dwayne Wade putting the team on his back kind of situation. Because, yeah, that was Jermaine O'Neal. That was Jamal McGlure. Shout out, former Hornet. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was just Dwayne Wade going superstar mode and getting his team 47 wins. Of course, LeBron was leading Cavaliers to the top seed in the Eastern Conference, 61 wins, and Boston uh, had 50 as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, good season, I think. But didn't it feel like, because you remember this more than I do, because I was not really paying too much attention to the Bobcats mm -hmm. at this time, didn't it? I, I, but I seemed to even talk to friends who did pay attention to this team, and I was like, man, yeah, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs. But it felt like false gold, right? Like it didn't feel – it felt like they had just gone all in to – make the playoffs but there was just zero shot of them really making any true noise and certainly not a lot of shot at them sustaining the success yeah i mean you look at the balance on this team i mean terrific defensive team look first at first in the rating. nba first opponent points per game first in the nba the problem doug was they could not score enough <laughs> mm -hmm. to win any of these games uh and they didn't really have that dynamic score passed you know, Steven Jackson, not a lot of depth there. And it felt like, to your point, they were capping out. I mean, they had gone in. They had brought Larry Brown in. They were trying to make the playoffs to make the playoffs, right? Um, something I guess they're still trying to do. Uh, but, yeah, you could kind of see the writing on the wall, as Rick did there, and just say this team is not good enough to make any real noise. A lot of it having to do with guys like Dwight Howard. They had to go up against Dwayne Wade, of course, in Miami. Um, and then just the landscape of the league at the time, you know, they didn't have any that dynamic backcourt and, uh, the team, you know, felt capped out, but I will say that did not diminish the enthusiasm, especially around those home playoff games. Uh, you know, they did a whiteout, a lot of excitement in the building, a lot of buzz around downtown, you know, Charlotte was ready for some playoff basketball and, and it was, it was fun to be there. And, and there was a lot of hype around it and it was, uh, a little disappointing to see them obviously get swept 
but then just the you know dismantling this team and, and going full rebuild on something that uh, I guess they were kind of at the end of the road, but gosh, it felt like they they could have at least gotten a little further the next year by adding a few more pieces or, or getting a little more creative, which you know they just chose not to do. And obviously, Larry Brown, you know, kind of saw that coming as well. Did not finish out the season, and that was just the beginning of a, a very very steep downturn. That was that was no fun for anyone. It was a dramatic three year downturn. So I've got the cleaning the glass stats up and. Yeah, Larry Brown comes in and revitalizes a defense that was doing nothing. The offense was also doing nothing those first few Bobcats years. He revitalizes the defense, gets them to eighth in the first season, then fourth. Uh, it was first in defensive rating, but cleaning the glass has them in, at fourth in points per possession. But the offense just never improved. The effective field goal percentage was not very good. The turnover percentage for both of those two, for both of those Larry Brown good defensive seasons was uh, last in the league. I mean, they were just turnover fiends. Uh, they were a good offensive rebounding team, manufacturing points via second chance, uh, but just could not score in the half court. And then, yeah, they become, you know, that that uh, historic team that was last in the league in offense, last in the league in defense, uh, just historically bad uh, for uh, for two straight seasons, really, 11-12 and 12-13. Um, they were uh, the seven and fifty nine season. Obviously, was the worst, and then they come out of that into the 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 new Bobcats era into Clifford, and Clifford turns the team around and makes them a little bit more balanced offensively and defensively. And uh, we'll that he's certainly preaching that now, David. He wants them to be balanced offensively and defensively. I'm not sure uh, if he has the tools. I just feel bad for Clifford. Like he, he just never gets. He's just. He just never gets the ingredients, you know? He never know. gets the good stuff. I know. And, he, you know, he's been on those benches with Howard and with Kobe, and he's seen superstars. And, um, you know, he just hasn't had one. You know, he's got LaMelo. He, it feels like they've brought him back to be a bit of a caretaker uh, as we're looking forward here, Doug, yep. and just to shepherd them through whatever this hellscape of an offseason was. I saw old Kenny Atkinson sitting in the second row of the bench back there. <sighs> I mean, you know, they couldn't, you know, hey, it didn't even get a seat on the front row, but um, – I'm sure he, I'm, I'm pretty positive I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> I'm pretty positive he doesn't. He looked pretty relaxed. I mean, I'll be honest. I can't imagine that Kenny knew about all of this. I mean, I you know, I don't I, I think he probably saw some other concerning things in terms of the franchise's thoughts on their plan. I mean, that's what worries me most about the plan is that Kenny got a good look at what was going on and was like, uh, I don't know. It still just seems it it seems insane to think because it just doesn't happen. It, you know, that that kind of thing just doesn't happen. Um I'm going to chalk it up to just Golden State, I guess, being such a plum job and a fantastic place to work and a great organization and all that stuff and championship pedigree. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they're certainly at an impasse, Doug, and they've got Clifford here again. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do. But I'll tell you what, that Bobcats team, it, 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 it doesn't look like it was fun. It really doesn't, does it? I mean, you look at a team that can't score, that grinds down other teams, that's got a Gerald Wallace was exciting to watch. That, it's interesting. Right. Like, yeah, they didn't have a lot of depth. They they really because Larry Brown like prided the team on defense. They probably weren't allowed to do some things offensively. But like Stack Jack was capable of forty yeah. any night. Yeah, and 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 when you look at it from that standpoint, Stack Jack, interesting guy. Larry Brown, 
you know, curmudgeon, but 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 provided some sparks every now and then. And, and great uh, press conference guy, uh, Gerald Wallace, team favorite, Hornets legend, Bobcats legend. Sorry, uh, but but it was also like, well, he's obviously going to break something at some point. He's going to keep diving over these tables, and he's going to crash down. But he had been with the team since expansion. Um, so it was just a very odd time. Bob Johnson sells the team. MJ's coming in, um, and they made the playoffs. They made the playoffs. Doug, you, you give this town a winning product, you know? And, and uh, yeah, I mean, something that the Hornets, they've made the play in the past couple of years, but they can't make the playoffs. Uh, now, you know, obviously, you know, to get to a series because of this play in, it was, I guess, you know, somewhat easier if you could obtain the seed, but the the Hornets have not even been seeded such that they would have made the playoffs in previous seasons. So yeah, I mean, uh, making the playoffs, you don't want to you don't want to take that for granted, and we won't here on every Hornets box score. Every team will will appreciate every single Bobcats and Hornets team that actually did the thing and went into postseason play. Uh, David, thank you very much for taking this trip down Bobcats memory lane. Always appreciate your insight. And uh, thank you to everyone that has uh, supported this show so far. We can't wait to do more of these in the future. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed to the Substack. I'm going to have my game notes on this Spurs game uh, ready for you. Pretty. Much, I mean, I've, I've been posting them generally right after the game. They're great. If, folks, if you're not in tune with uh, every Hornets box score, if you're not getting those things fed straight to your inbox every day, I mean, it is – you, you don't even need – let me tell you what. You don't even need to watch the game, okay? I know. <laughs> let me just say that right up front. If you don't have CSET, if you don't have Bally's, if you're on Clipper Vision, you get this box score, you feel like you're right there. And sometimes you get that you get that bad feeling too, but it's not Doug's fault. He's just telling you what happened, okay? No, it's true. You know, I think people are, you know, I think fans are going to have to make some estimations about how much they really want to invest of their personal time into this season. And so here's what I'm offering you. I'm saying, you know, if you get on a random Wednesday or Thursday night and you're like, you know what, I'm just, I can't, I can't do it tonight. I'd rather hang with the family. I'd rather, you know, clip my toenails. Fine. But you don't want to get behind, right? You don't want to, when they right. finally do start winning, you don't want to forget everything that's happened or, or not be part of it. That's what I'm offering you with the game notes. You can be part of it. You can still clip your toenails and get some time away from the Hornets. That's really what I'm offering you. So um, <laughs> but I appreciate those kind words, David. We will be back again next week with another box score. Thank you so much. Until then, go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.